Next Chapter Podcasts. I bet each and every one of you guys thought I was going to play Girls Just Want to Have Fun. Nope. I played Money Changes Everything. It's from the 1983 debut album, She's So Unusual, from Cindy Lauper. It's also number 487 out of 500 on the 500 with Josh Adam Myers. What's up, everybody? It's me, the King of Fleece, here to rule over the Fleece Army. How my little Fleecers doing? You guys doing good? It's a beautiful week, man. I hope everybody's enjoying it. We're at the halfway point. It's Wednesday. So now we just got the weekend to look forward to. But you got an incredible podcast. And it's going to be one of 500 where I'm going through Rolling Stone Magazine's list of the top 500 albums of all time. Starting at five, honey. Working my way down to number one. Um, I really want to say this from the bottom of my heart, guys. Uh, thank you for tuning in. Thank you for tweeting at me. Thank you for listening. Thank you for everything. I love making this podcast. Uh, this is not like something that I'm doing to for any other reason than it's a labor of love. Uh, I love discovering new music, and man, have I been having a blast. Uh, so many songs have now made their way into some of my favorite albums. I've discovered new artists. Uh, I fucking love making this. I love this so much. And uh, thank you. Sorry, I burped a little bit. Thank you so much. Um, this is fucking great, man. I mean, I'm excited that we have until May 31st, 2028. To keep finding out about new artists, new songs, new albums, shit that we never thought we would ever listen to. It's the shit, dude. It is the shit. I love it. I can't tell you how many times, like, when I'm going through an album, when I'm doing this, and I'm like, I'm like, fuck, man. Like, this song is so great, and I just want to listen to it over and over and over and over again. So if you're enjoying this as much as I am enjoying making this, let me know, guys. You don't have to go put... I would love for you to go onto the iTunes and go onto all those different ways to, to rate and review the podcast, but just tweet at me. Just give me a, 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 a Facebook message. Give me a Instagram message and just let me know um, that you're digging it because I'm having the time of my life. And this week's episode is so fucking good. My guest this week is one of the funniest comedians in the world. And I, you know, people say, oh, God, this guy is so funny. Dude, Big J Okerson is hands down one of my favorite comedians to watch. Uh, I love him to death. And every time I go to New York, I stay in his spare bedroom. Me, him, and his girlfriend, Christine, we hang out. Uh, last time I was there was for like two weeks. And all we did was do shows, smoke pot. Watch Law and Order SVU. You know what I love about Big J? He's the king of the clips. He loves being like, dude, you got to see this shit that I found on World Star Hip Hop. And he'll show it to me, and we laugh, and we laugh, and then we smoke some more pot, and maybe we play some NBA Live uh, or NBA 2K, whatever the fuck the game is that I suck at. And uh, and we watched it. He made me watch Philadelphia 76ers games, and uh, I'm a Wizards fan. 
But because I love this man so much, dude, I fucking rooted for his team. You know him from The Degenerates on Netflix, The Bonfire on Comedy Central Radio Series XM, or maybe Legion of Skanks on Gas Digital, or The SDR Show. Dude, this man has built such a following, and he's been doing it for a long time, and he deserves all the success that he's getting. Little fact about this recording, okay? Big J and I recorded this podcast July at the Hyatt in Montreal during the Just for Laughs Festival. So when we sat down to record this, this was like right... This He was the second podcast that I had taped when I started doing the 500. And the format and, and the direction of where I wanted to go uh, hadn't been worked out yet at the beginning. And now it's like... it's I feel like it's really starting to come together. This is a great episode. It's just a loose conversation about Cindy Lauper between me and Jay. So uh, we're just giving it to you. And I think you guys are going to enjoy it. Don't forget to listen to the end of the podcast where we're going to spotlight a new artist that was directly influenced by Cindy Lauper. Also, guys, go on whatever format you listen to this podcast, rate, review, and most importantly, subscribe to the 500. I am trying to get more people in the movement because I want to know that more people are digging new music that they never heard before. Follow me on all social media at Josh Adam Myers. Email the podcast at 500podcast at gmail.com. And for all things 500, go to our website, the500podcast.com. So with that being said, here we go with number 487 out of 500 with She's So Unusual by Cindy Lauper. I'm loving it. I'm loving that song. I gave you the list because I was like, dude, I want to get you on this. And then this was the album that you picked. Yeah. Why? Well, <laughs> I am a big Cyndi Lauper fan in general. She was, when I was a kid, my, uh, like, I definitely had a crush on her. Because mm-hmm. when I thought she was odd and cute, like odd looking, hence the album She's So Unusual. But her whole thing was so weird. And then I really got, like, and we'll get into this song later, I know, but I really got moved by the uh, Time After Time video. Remind me of the video. So the video is her and a guy who, like, uh, like each other. I think the guy's a musician or something. Yeah. And she's just, you know, a screwball, and everything with her is, like, she's showing up. He's more, like, he's over her. You can see in the video, like, he likes her still, but, like, he just wants to do something different, and she's, like, it's like local goofy girl or, or she yeah no it's her she wants to get out of town be bigger he's like a local yokel and he gets upset that she like does like a checkerboard in her hair she shaves that red <laughs> and the video you That's see what him, she was doing at that point of her career yeah you checkerboard see look you see him go like he's like what's what are you doing and she gets bummed out and runs out of the restaurant and then the whole it ends with her leaving to go i guess become a rock star or something on a train and they say goodbye and yeah it's like teary-eyed it's such a sad fucking song but i thought she was i remember my feeling when she'd reveal that checkerboard and the guy's like what are you doing you know i would be like i'm like she's expressing herself man she's so cute and then she her affiliation to wrestling at a time that i was super into wrestling as a kid she's so unusual release october 14th 1983 83 october 14th i'm three years old about to be four um I my first memory of Cindy Lauper is 
is literally, I think it's the girls just want to have fun video. Or she was on like the that Sunday morning cartoon of professional wrestling. The wrestling cartoon, yeah. The yeah, wrestling yeah. cartoon. And I remember seeing her with like Captain Lou Albano, the Iron Sheik. She was really big to Hulk Hogan, really and, loved Hulk Hogan. And he was, uh, and, and she became like a valet in the actual WWE, like involved with them. Captain Lou Albano was in the Girls Just Want to Have Fun video, plays yes. her dad. Mm-hmm. So there was such a crossover on that. I wish we would have had a chance to ask her that when she came on the radio show, but we had three <laughs> minutes with her, and we, I think, made her feel like this sucks, and she left. <laughs> tell me tell me about the that, that moment again, what happened. Well, we just saw her in the hallway, yeah. and Black Lou, our producer, who's just a suave son bitch, he will walk out. He's gotten his interviews with Paris Hilton like this, and so he'll just go in the hallway of Sirius. And Fearless. Like, hey, we got the show going on. Well, he's, he's smooth and black. Yeah, that's that helps a lot. <laughs> he's like, would you come in and be able to do it? And all of a sudden, we thought we were doing a pre-recorded show. At that point, we do a pre-record half hour and then a live two hours every day. The pre-record becomes our Thursday show. Yeah, and. Um, we saw her, and we go, go get her. We'll, hopefully, we'll have her on the live show if she's floating around here, you know? Yeah. And then we just see her walking towards the studio right away, and we're like, oh, shit. Like, she's coming in right now. Like, we have nothing prepared. <laughs> we don't know what to talk about, but, but I'm excited to talk to her. Like, Ari Shafir's in the corner naked for something you have coming up later in the yeah, show. Shit. So Put your balls away. Put your balls away. So, yeah, that happens, too. Uh, but no, not in this time. Uh, she comes in, and she's like, still, by the way, she's older, but I still think she's so, like, pretty, and, like, she's such a cute thing about her. Oh, she's, I think she's adorable. And she is, and she's so tiny. Yeah. And she came in, sweet as could possibly be, but she sat down, and we don't know what to say. That's why Ron Bennington's such a beast and stuff like that. He'll just have him come in and start having good questions right away. Mm-hmm. She was like, I used to be a DJ, so I know. And she started talking about being a DJ in college. And she never did psychedelics or drugs at all. It was never her thing, mm-hmm. she said. But all of her friends, the music that she liked and she would choose to play on her uh, on her out on her radio show, yeah, her friends would do drugs to them and call her up, and she said they'd go, "Cindy, that was such a great trip." And I was like, oh, wow. And then I make a joke where I'm like, that's hilarious. You're just there playing your favorite songs to enjoy yourself on radio. And then some guy's sitting at home. Like, you never know how people are taking in your, you know, your thing. Your album, yeah. Yeah, not even her. It wasn't her album. It was like she was playing just like she was DJing. Oh, okay, yeah. In college. And she was like, you know, you don't know how people are going to take in your playlist, you know. It goes, sure. You think, like, people are dancing to it or enjoying it how you do it, and some guy's got, like, a needle hanging out of his arm. And she's like, no, <laughs> no, not those kind of drugs. And I was like, uh, and from that on, she was just a little, like, apprehensive. And then her people, not her, she was very nice the rest of the two minutes that we had her for. Yeah. And her people were kind of like, we have to go. And she probably did. She was there for not our show, so they had to shuffle her out. It was very nice for her to come in. We said goodbye, and we were like, Wow, that was weird, and we didn't do very good with that. And then we went and did our live show. Mm-hmm. This made you laugh when I told you this first time in, uh, <laughs> at the Skankfest. But we, uh, she leaves, and when we do the live show, sarcastically almost, but didn't read that sarcastic, I noticed when I said it. I was like, and uh, wow, we had Cindy Lauper. Tomorrow we'll be playing our Cindy Lauper interview. Like, and uh, f- like, buckle up, man. It's a... Uh, <laughs> It's a doozy. We really got some insight. And Soder then just kind of tacks on sarcastically. But again, I can tell it. He just does a, 
He goes, oh, yeah, man, really got to the bottom of some stuff. And then when I know, I looked at Soder and started giving him, like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's actually, like, yeah, we, I went out of something here. Let's other direction this. And I go, she came in and goes, she was willing to open up about things. I can't believe she opened up about it. goes, really in depth, like, deep stuff. And we just went on a whole tirade about this and then had our producer, DJ Lou, uh, not to be confused with Black Lou, DJ Lou put together, we said, put together a big opening, like, this is a big deal. And we'll pump it the rest of the show yeah. and keep doing this thing and public and he really made this whole like, and now the exclusive Cindy Lauper interview with the bonfire yeah I mean I'll, I can play it for you the intro of it it's just non-stop noises and big it's like Rolling Stone says the most in-depth you know <laughs> groundbreaking thing and then it plays our two and a half minutes with her and it goes that has been this has been the bonfire whatever interview exclusive and the best part is just one fan that's what i love because i was they were like what if people don't get it i go dude they're gonna get it and then one person just wrote a thing to the bonfire that was like i don't understand like that was it it was like you guys know it was like two and a half three minutes right it's like oh my it's like, dude, yeah man people that's are the so point dumb. like that's the entire point of it sir <laughs> the most exclusive Cindy Lauper yeah. interview. She opens up about things she's never said before. Why is her hair colored that way? Who was Captain Lou Albano really to her life? Exclusively exclusive. And it's just her like, well, uh, yeah, this is a nice studio. All right, we got to go. All right, guys. I'll see you later. She's like the white Wanda Sykes. Her voice is like, <laughs> yeah. hey, how you doing? But she's still, even when she does her fucking psoriasis skin condition medicine commercials. Where I am I adorable. missing those? Is that why what happens when you cut the cord and you don't have cable anymore? You miss Cindy Lauper and Chuck Norris still killing it on infomercials? Oh, hell yeah. The I'm fucking total gym. She's 65 years old. Uh, yeah. 65. And you said she's still as adorable as she was when you saw her back in uh Not as, I mean, because she was an older woman, but I mean, she's definitely just like... All right, well, like, well so how old, so are you, cute. how old are you when that album comes out in 1983? October 14, 1983. October 83, I was almost six. Almost six. Do you, do you have, a, 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 like, a recollection of music back then? Do you understand, like, the concept? Not the concept, but if just... it makes sense, I don't have a recollection of, like... <laughs> I feel like having a daughter, especially, and seeing kids at a, as a 40-year-old now, mm -hmm. like, I'm like, I don't know if I'd ever retained or enjoyed anything that I would hold on to from that age. But I guess I do remember being caring about music particularly really, really young. I just really care everything and all of it. Like mm -hmm. my stepbrothers were exposing me to uh, Iron Maiden, Black Sabbath, yes, stuff like that at the time, and I'm like, that's cool because they get it. You know, but that what I mean? was like, also, but also like Iron Maiden with me is the same thing because it was so visual because of Eddie. Yeah, and yeah. as like as like a kid that was like kind of into, I always loved like Freddy Krueger and shit like that. So it's when true. I saw Eddie on the poster board at the Waxy Maxi, I was like, that's what I want. I never heard their music. Yeah. And little did I know that, like, Bruce Dickinson and half the band are the ugliest musicians oh, you've yeah. ever seen. And also a uh, really ugly band, by the way. Yeah, it's true. But that Killers album cover where he's holding the... the I mean, that's the best. Oh, wait, wait. The Killers by uh, Iron Maiden. For some reason, I think you're talking about, like, Iron the Killers, Maiden. the Killers. No, no, Killers. Oh, yeah. uh, the When he's got the long hair, mm -hmm. Eddie. And it's, like, the classic one, you know, where his fists are, like, uh, clenched like that. And it's uh, it's awesome. I love that. Yeah, but they turned me on to all that. And then my dad, my, you know, absentee father, uh, the stuff I got and started liking because of him that I wanted to like because I thought he was cool. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Uh, Alice Cooper, 
Bowie, Pink Floyd, that kind of music. So, so is he the catalyst to bring music down to you? He was he like sitting you down like, yo, check this out. Like you see, Jay, get no. over here. Like, I don't even know if he knows my middle name. Really? But yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, I mean, he's around now a bunch because he wants to hang out at shows and shit. But like, uh, oh, that's terrible. When I was, uh, it's fine. It's it's fine. We'll go, you know what? Right. It's a whole different. It's a whole different podcast. Yeah. But no, but, but I still. I, but it was until I was like. 15 years old like you didn't realize he was like a dead you know what i mean i don't yeah, know what his, how much money he's not giving my mom mm-hmm. or every time he can't make it when he says he's gonna make it i'm like well he's a busy man you know, <laughs> who knows? but so to like you know sort of impress him and and i found that music like that genre so particularly pink floyd bowie alice cooper things like that classic rock more or less. i started i started basically the same way with the with the iron maiden and then guns and roses and Guns N' Roses was a big deal to I me. Mean, that Guns N' Roses was the first one. I think my stepbrother showed me that too. Yeah. But for whatever reason, because it was, they weren't. They would show me like you know Black Sabbath that was a little older at that point, mm-hmm. Maiden which was new but around. You know what I mean? Like established man. And then uh, Guns N' Roses like came out. You know what I mean? Like on my time at an age where I was like, this is my shit. Like I like this because I like it. Like yeah. that video plays to me, the song plays to me. And I first heard Guns N' Roses. I came obsessed before the album came out because before the album came out, it was used in a scene in a movie called The Deadpool, which was a Clint Eastwood Dirty Harry movie actually called The Deadpool. I remember that. I remember the movie, but I don't remember the scene you're talking about. Jim Carrey. Before he's known as anything comedic, James Carey is... Back when his name was James Carowitz. <laughs> <laughs> but he does a scene where he plays a rock star, heroin addict, who's shooting a music video. And basically the movie's about who kills him. And, this, okay. and the music video they're shooting is for Welcome to the Jungle. Really? It's, it's, it's Jim Carrey doing like Welcome to the Jungle. It's not him, it's he's lip syncing. Of course, yeah. But it's, uh, <laughs> they make it like that's his song. And I was like, that song is awesome. <laughs> And for Welcome I, to the Jungle? Wow, yeah. I, I still remember when DC 101 played the full album all the way through from start to finish. And then the next day, I stole money from my dad to buy it. Oh, man. I was seven years old. And uh, did, so, yes, yeah, so you got it like early enough, too. Like My, my cover had the inside with the, the girl with her tit hanging out and the panties down. Oh, yeah. I and, had the, the Lies, big... Lies, Lies t-shirt. And my parents, like, I, I remember I stole well, money Well, no, that Lies, Lies, that. Lies had the thing. But the inside of Appetite for yeah. Destruction was the... the the teeth. robot, yeah, like, the robot over top monster, of the girl, yeah. like, about to... Jesus, you couldn't do that now. Good God. No. <laughs> That's the funny thing, is that they know they never Me Too rock stars, and it's like, why? Why you, I feel like you should. They would you know? name the girl in the drawing and have, like, a help her, like, hashtag help. <laughs> hashtag help Joanne. <laughs> All right, so when is the first time you're experiencing, like, set up experiencing, like, Cindy Lauper as a kid for me? Well, so that's... What I was going to say with yeah. those, those influences in my music, why I think I have such a, even when I do the jam, you know, the, the, like eclectic music taste, which you do too. I just, I think uh, I wasn't surprised that you picked Cindy Lauper, but it, it it's just your choice. Like as I've gotten to know you, to when you're doing the jam, I mean, what have you sung? You've done. You started with, we started with Say It Ain't So. Weezer, yeah. That was the first one. Then you did. Uh, I mean, you've done. Nickelback, you've done uh, the uh, Jerry Rafferty, Rafferty. you've done Toto's Africa, you've done Zero by Smashing Pumpkins, you've done Don't You Forget About Me, Simple Don't You Forget About Me. Um, there's so you've done some, you've done even like pussier stuff too. Like, you've done some really Jerry Rafferty was pretty like. That was pretty mellow. No, but that was selfless. That was so Jeremiah could play sax. That was the only reason. But I love that song. That was incredible. Well, I love that song so much. But here's the thing. So that genre of music, things mm-hmm. like that, 
uh, came to me more like my mom was just loved music, always had the radio on, but she just put on like pop radio of the time. Yeah. So that's where I'd hear like eighties Lionel Richie and Cindy, you know, and like all those eighties bands, you know, that's where I, you hear wham and everything that was just contemporary to the time yeah. that wasn't necessarily music for me, what I thought, but it was just, you'd hear it and it was just, I just didn't overthink it. I can go from like, uh, I listened to Welcome to the Jungle three times in a row, and then it's like, well, this shit. Now I want to hear Tears for Fears. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, or dancing, or, you know, Running with the Night by Lionel Richie. You know, like yes, I mean, so, songs are all over the place. And so uh, Cindy Lauper fell into that kind of thing. And I'm telling you, the the start of the music video, MTV. When I get to go to my dad's or somewhere that had cable, a friend that had cable, I oh my dad used to get furious when I would go to his house on the weekends because him. I was into music before I was into wrestling, okay. even necessarily. I'm actually almost wondering if Cindy Lauper correlation. I think she was the catalyst. Made, like made from- that flip over. Well, I say I say that because my dad and stepbrothers used to get mad that I was watching MTV and Culture yeah. Club and all that stuff, and they wanted to put on NWA wrestling when that was a thing. I remember because it was on Turner Broadcast, you know, TBS. Oh, I remember NWA and NWA wrestling would come on, and they wanted to watch that, and I was like annoyed they were going to turn off. Like I got in trouble for dial calling Dial MTV to vote for Home Sweet Home to be number one video on a uh, you know, Motley Crue Home Sweet Home. Hey, what's up? My name's Lurk, and I'm the host of Lamb Goat's Van Flip Podcast. Every week, I have in-depth conversations with bands from all over the scene, big and small. We also like to keep our finger on the pulse and showcase up-and-coming bands on the show as well. So come check out Lamb Goat's Van Flip Podcast. Hey, everyone. This is Tuck from Fit for a King in Off-Road Minivan. Every week I bring you fun interviews alongside your favorite metalcore entertainers with my new podcast, Get Tucked. Join me every Monday with bands like Counterparts, Crystal Lake, like Moths to Flames, and many more. We play unsigned and undiscovered bands, deep dive into each artist's history, and of course provide the greatest breakdowns in current metalcore. Tune in to Get Tucked every Monday, out now through Sound Talent Media. And her music videos, I think, you know, girls just want to have fun and everything. Like, they just came out at the right time where I saw it a hundred times a weekend, you know? Because every time I had a chance to have the TV, I'd put on MTV. And I just, it went in the rotation. I just think, I just thought she was like, uh, you know, she was like misfit cute, which is what I thought was like great about her. Well, you know what's funny is it's when you selected her, it, it was just, it was almost like it was meant to be. Because it's just and, and you with the the hair. I mean, I have to make the connection. Sure. You have colored hair. She has colored hair. You know, for a comedian, you you dress like compared to some of the other comedians. Like you dress kind of different than sure. other people. You dress comfortably, just like uh, Cindy Lauper dressed comfortably. So it's it's there's this weird connection that when you said it, it was like, oh, I don't know if this will make sense. And I'm like, no, it actually does because she was kind of a rebel. Of like her time, yeah. I'm reading about her, and then you at the same time have literally been doing the same thing, haven't changed, worked your way up, and then once you did break, you've been more you than you've ever been, right? Which yeah. is what I see is like Cindy Lauper had done. No, very much, and I said I, I dug that thing about her, and I, and I said also some weird thing in her that like I don't know, like, I I don't think it was the case, but she just wasn't she wasn't a sex symbol singer. At the yeah. same time, you got like Madonna, you know, what I mean, out and like it's all about like the sexiness and how like you know like out there she is with her stuff and Cindy Lauper's thing wasn't like sexy and in that I just found her so like exactly so you wanted to fuck Madonna you wanted Cindy Lauper to be your girlfriend yes 
And yes. I just dug something about that for more. Sure. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I mean, Madonna was like the end-all, be-all as far as hot to me, for sure, at that time. Like, I thought she was so gorgeous. But in a different way. You yes. know what I mean? She was like the slutty, like, you might see her nipple. Like, I never even thought... And it's funny, all the years of everyone I've typed in, fill-in-the-blank, nude, into my Google search... I've never even seen if Cindy Lauper had any kind of like a nip slip or. I've never even because I've, I've never thought of it. Does that make sense? It it's, makes perfect it's, it's odd. Like, <laughs> but at the same time, when I see her, I'm always like, you know, it's like it's the giddiness of like how cute she is. She's sure. adorable. I just got to ask, what is the most random uh, nip slip you picture you've probably looked for? Like, who have you typed in? <laughs> how out there have you gotten? Shit, I don't know. When I was younger, I used to get a. Uh, before all the websites and everything came before the internet was a thing, really. Celebrity, celebrity Sleuth magazine. I, I know about Celebrity Sleuth. <laughs> and Celebrity Skin. Those were the two Fuck magazines. yeah, dude. And they were, uh, you'd see the same ones over and over again. Not the most random, but the most important one to me ever. It's so funny because the head of the agency I'm with is married to her. But, I mean, my fantasy dream girl my whole childhood was Alyssa Milano. Oh my god. And when god. she started banging out some nudity and put full bush slips on the beach and stuff, I was like When did she do full bush slips? Oh, it's fantastic. God, I lost touch with the celebrity sleuth. I should have checked back into that. It was absolutely great. I still in my daily like websites I go through, mm-hmm. World Star Hip Hop always number one. Number two, the nipslip.com, which is <laughs> just way. all my life. You're fucking- and it comes up and it just gives you like the newest of the day. The like newest of the nip pussy, slips. Pussies falling out. Hilarious. Know, great. Oh, it's <laughs> Rue McClanahan had a nip slip. They found this one. Perfect. <laughs> Gotta go with Rue. Rue McClanahan. But no, so with her, I, yeah, I never even thought it was weird. It was never even a sexual thing. But that time after time video is just, you're like, what an idiot this guy is to not go with her. <laughs> Support her dream, you dipshit. Also, the guy is so good. I bet it was a real boyfriend because he was so goofy looking at the time. Yeah. I almost feel like the video was an analogy for a real like, hey, I'm going to get out of here. I almost want to pull the video up. You know what's funny is I was researching this. great. As I was researching this, I put on the Girls Just Want to Have Fun video, and I've been reading about that song and how it was written by a guy. Some dude wrote it. Girls Just Want to Have Fun. Robert Hazard wrote it, and... uh, and but girls just want to have fun, and it was really like a song about like how like women are like sexual objects, and it's just like you know they work and they do all this stuff, but on Friday nights when they get off work, they want to fuck. Like that's like what the song is about. Yeah. And then after reading about girls just want to have fun, it's like how she took this song and made it a female empowerment song. And so I watched a music video after I've read like three or four articles about what she had gone through and and the way that she felt. And then I'm watching the music video and I started weeping. Not weeping. I say weeping. I teared up. It wasn't. It wasn't like. It wasn't like Sean Penn and Mystic River. Like, it was I didn't more. Lose it. it was more like you know, uh, like Kunta Kinte in uh, in Roots. Just one teardrop fell. But it was like I felt it watching the music video. That that's the thing the guy's uh, feeling was, or that she. Well, changed no, it. that that it just meant something to me that she took this song that is literally about women getting, you know, about sleeping with women. Mm-hmm. And she made it about how women are stronger and how women, you know, are coming. Uh, they don't need men as much. And it's like, dude, we're, we're the same as, you know, we we're the same as you. We just want to party just like you. Like, you know, what, what is that? Is that a Xanax? All right, we'll take a Xanax too, dude. We don't give a fuck. We're women. She never, I don't know if it was purposeful or not. Would have loved to ask her if I thought of it. But uh, <laughs> never, like she's, her thing was never sexualized, ever. I don't think she ever had a time in her life where she was putting out that. Well, I think, and I think you mentioned Madonna earlier, and I love Madonna. 
Don't get me wrong. I, I am one of the biggest Madonna fans. I respect like that she's used her sexuality as well as her talent. But in my opinion, someone like Madonna, dude, is like literally working straight on. I don't think Madonna's musically that talented. Like her voice isn't anything special. No, but 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 her sex, her essence, like what she puts out there, it's like that. You know, coming out with like a virgin rolling around on the floor at the MTV Music Awards, like that set it up for everybody. That was just as important as Michael Jackson doing the moonwalk Absolutely. at the Motown because it changed it changed music because we never saw anything like that. And, and so, it was like, dangerous as shit. Exactly, because your parents would come in and be like, "You're not supposed to be." Look, it's the same thing. Uh, two Live Crew might be the worst fucking rappers of all time, but it was the first thing you got that your parents were going to be like, what, this is oh, yeah. this is pornography. Yeah, dude. I remember when that album it's came out. It's horrific. Oh, my God. I loved that. Here's the I deal. She, that wants to be, she wants to be something bigger than this little trailer park chick. Uh, let me see this. All right, so the Time After Time video, she's in the trailer park. She's holding a dog. She's, she's uh, talking along with a movie. She wants to be a star. All right, skip ahead a little bit. Get yeah. to the meat and potatoes of this. All right, goddamn, bitch. All right. Our lame-ass boyfriend. Who looks like Rick Springfield. He wishes. But as the whole video was her being like, I love you, and he's like, yeah, right. <laughs> Why is she holding the dog figurine? <laughs> I don't this know. makes no sense to me. She's just a weird... Because he, the dog... The dog statue unconditionally loves her, not like this piece of shit. Yeah, dude. I mean, he's in a trailer park. He's not happy with his life. I mean, is this where he works? So this is her remembering when they first met. And he was very sweet at one point. He th- he liked the fact that she was quirky. I bet this is really rooted in some personal shit for her, this video. Maybe not this. Oh, she might not have even written the song. A hundred percent. Here's the thing I was telling you about. So he seems happy to see her. She does some wacky shit with her hair. He's not in. Even his friends are like, ah, dude, it's fine. What the, look at that motherfucker. All right. It's great. You know what? This is, this is pissing me off. Like, this is Cindy Lauper. Don't fucking do that to Cindy, dude. Yeah. Don't do that to Cindy. But She's then, being herself. If you were alone right now and feel... Oh, uh, her remembering her mom. She's going to leave in the trailer. She goes and says goodbye to people. And this is a. Uh, this scene's rough. <laughs> if you're in a sad mood at all. So she's at the train station now. She's a, he's not going. What is his problem? He's not going to he go. He's it. got a Jackson Brown look to him, you know. I can't go. She's so cute. I feel like this takes away from how good the song is. Like, I don't, out of, out of all the music videos, I feel like this should have been her, like, okay, when well, actually I like that part where she sings in the guy's face. Yeah, that was also because the guy's such a jack off and she's telling him, I'll wait for you wherever I get forever. Okay. Like, what an idiot. This hand job? <laughs> <laughs> this fucking trailer park skis? Fucking leave him back. Time after time. Funny thing about this song is this is the second most covered song in the history of music. Really? Number one is Yesterday by Paul McCartney. I mean, this has been covered by uh, Miles Davis. Um, Look at that. Pink does it. Let me see if I can find it. Eva Cassidy. This version is, uh, 
she does a pretty great job of it. All right, so so going from '83 to now, how have you listened to Cindy uh, in between that time? Like, the do you ever like go out of your way? Like, you're of really course, like, oh, yeah. really, time after time, do. particularly. I love that song, time after time. I think it's unbelievable. Why? Just is it? Is there? A, is there a meaning? Do you do you feel something like a connection to it? It was the first time I was like a kid. I think I felt like a sadness. For, you know, just like seeing like a relationship thing. That video is, that is very annoying for sure, especially watching it now as an adult. Was just a song. It was just big for me. Girls just want to have fun. I think just got played out in my head, so I stopped listening to that when I was young. I, I've never sought that song. I used to hate that song, and then and then when we started doing this a few weeks ago, we were like, all right, start listening to the record. It it's just like I said, it's a powerful song, and you, we were talking about Madonna. It's. It's like what I loved about Cindy is that she you said she didn't sexualize, but it's like her voice is incredible. Like throughout the whole record, like she hits so many like super high notes that are just out of most women's like vocal range. And it's just it just blows me away. And Oh, it's the thing, like she could have done several different genres of music probably and kind of just chose like the bubblegum pop. But well, some the, of the, songs the album to go with that, no, I wanna I wanna sit with that thought. Like I don't think this album is actually one genre at all. No, I I completely agree with you, but the but the hits or ballads and fast songs, but overall they're 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 very radio friendly songs. Yes, you're right. The the B sides and uh, other tracks in this album. We were saying when I first got in the opening track, "Money Changes Everything." The chorus of that song, I think, is like well written. Her voice, you know, it hits very different it things. Nothing for nothing. That's how when I started listening to the record, that was the that of course is a song that you know because when I, I try to listen to the album from start to finish as many times as possible, and like that one, it was just I kept listening to it, and that was the first one. I think it's probably one of the catchiest songs on the record, more than "Girls Just Want to Have Fun." Yeah. But what I know about "Girls Just Want to Have Fun," "Money Changes Everything," is is probably the biggest collection of all the different pieces of the album. Like you know, because it's like we were talking about the genres. Like it starts off like a pop record, like the first, the first going from it, like through the, through the songs. And I don't want to go through each one, one by one, but it's like, it starts with money changes everything, which was a single. Cause it released six singles off of this. Was it a single? There was, it was, dude, here are the singles that they released in order. So first one was girls just want to have fun. She wanted the the uh, the studio or the record label wanted her to release time after time first, but then she was like, "I don't want to do a ballad off the jump because that's not what that's I smart. am." Smart. That's smart. So she does. Girls just want to have fun. Time after time, and then the third song, which blew me away because this is the one that we've been making fun of off air, uh, is "She Bop." Yeah. She Bop, which reading about it, ballsy. The song was considered controversial, dealt with the subject matter of female masturbation. Because I think she she was like, she bops, but there's that part where she's like, you gotta rub it, rub it, like smack it, smack it. By the way, it's not just about uh, female masturbation, it's about hers particularly, but in the chorus it says, she bop, he bop, and we like saying everyone does it. What's the problem? I didn't get it when I was a kid at all. And then the video was very animated. A lot of anime. It's like her walking around through animation stuff. And, in, you know, a bunch of like imagery that I just didn't fully get. And then in my teens, I think somebody pointed out that's what the song's all about. And then you just listen. To, and all I have to do is listen to the I words hear it. once. No, I hear it now. Because I, I've been listening I mean, to it. Pretty blatant, actually. Very blatant. And I've been listening to it very intensely the closer and closer we got to taping this. Like, I was like really hammering in this end. They say if I don't stop, I'll go blind. <laughs> <laughs> 
there's so many songs on this record that are the typical 80s songs. Also, what you, how cool is it? You know, as far as uh, one of my favorite things in music that I listen for in a song yeah. is the changes, mm-hmm. the musical changes, and that they go... Like there's a satisfying end. A lot yeah. of songs don't do that. My best example of that, not to tangent, but I am still. No, please. Is um, Stone Temple Pilots song, Creep, which I don't even like that song very much, but you know, take time with a lonely hand. Cause I like to feel. That song, uh, you know, at one point in the song, he goes, he goes, then she tells me I'm a creep. He goes like, up with it very yeah, yeah. big. And, uh, and then when you see him do it live, he never does that. He never goes. He just goes. Eh, he goes. Almost goes well, down. Not anymore. With I mean, he's dead. The only <laughs> sentence I've ever enjoyed ever in a Hootie and the Blowfish song is in "Let Her Cry." Is uh, the end when he just goes fucking huge with it? Never in. Con- that's a big deal. And I. That's what I think gets you going in a song when someone comes in like like, like they've thrown their shoulders into it. And, sure. And I think in Shebop, that second chorus starts. You can almost like play yeah, it too. You play it off. But when she just comes, like, she comes in big like hey 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 there, Mister. Because I can't stop messing with the danger zone. Oh yeah yeah yeah. I think one of the things that I really like about Cindy is that she can manipulate her voice. And we were talking about the genres. I keep going back to that because the beginning of this record is literally so pop heavy, hit loaded. Radio because because yeah. I liked, like I said, uh, money changes everything. Girls just want to have fun. Then my favorite song on the record is "When You Were Mine," uh, written by Prince. And I definitely think out of most of the songs on the record, it's it's just so eighties. Just this like, just this this build up with the guitar. This, it's like a pan flute comes in suddenly. It's very coke fueled. It's like that same Christine, my girlfriend. Yeah. Uh, she, from her days of coke in her life, mm-hmm. she has a hard time with a lot of 80s music I love. For one, it wasn't her time. It's just, she just missed it. She's eight years younger than me, so that's our, that's sure. our one gap right there. She knows before. She knows like 60s she, and 70s also. Yeah. And 90s and whatever. The 80s is the one she sort of missed with like the... Radio, yeah, do you understand the radio pop and most of it you realize when you listen to it like it drives her like Gloria because these are songs that are just like I need a hero like it just makes her like it makes her like anxious it's you know definitely I mean? definitely the 80s was like was very coke fueled fuel force oh, yeah. music just, just she blinded me with science <laughs> yeah wacky well you get like that synth stuff but then you just have like the driving Gloria, you know the songs. Yeah. They all have like you know, she's a maniac. Pumping it up, pumping it up, you know, it's so uh, fuck yeah, they're frantic. Dude. They're very mm. frantic songs, yeah. and uh, that I think that song has that the thing about the eighties. You have when you there's a, there's a few songs that have that. There's another one because once it starts getting away after all through the night, that's when I feel it breaks into the most eighties album of all time, excluding. The one that you brought up, which was Witness. Witness, which, which has a, ska, a pop ska feel. Which we, which is definitely, you said it brought up hints of No Doubt. Yeah. We were talking about it. And then after really listening to it, um, it's 100%. But it's also like, you know, ska was just really starting to come out around that time. And you can, from what I read about Cindy, is that she kind of grew up in the punk rock influence. And so that's why the album like bridges this perfect pop with ska, with the 80s, and then still has some punk rock feeling tracks. Witness 
into I Kiss You, which I Kiss You. This is the most 80s song of all fucking time. This one and Yeah, Yeah are just the epitome. Like just But they all have like, I don't know how many producers there were around really making like the radio hits of the 80s, but they all, even just play the beginning of it, it sounds like a, a Pointer Sisters song, or it sounds like, I got a new attitude. Remember Patti LaBelle? It's all the same, like, it's like those templates. Everyone was so jacked up to have a synthesizer in the studio. I mean, just they think just about what that was it. like to finally have, like, computer I mean, the sounds. Difference, well, the difference between this, like, the 70s and the 80s, I mean, computers are starting to come out they're not these just big clunky things that you can only do accounting on like they i remember my dad brought him home and in 84 85 we're playing oregon trail yeah, yeah you know we're i'm getting an atari it's more accessible so the 80s is, is literally just i mean what was going on in the world it's that it's like we felt like we were in the future yeah dude, my parents like you know when they I had got a handheld a, pac-man game it was yeah dude crazy. and it was a piece of shit piece like of just shit. two buttons <laughs> yeah. on it and it was just like everything was in black and white and it was like if you pressed on the screen you could break the glass and mush everything and like <laughs> you'd see was, all the stuff behind the screen show up I mean, it's it's just it's one of those things where I, I look at what kids have now, and I'm not trying to be the guy like you know, oh, these kids don't get what we had. I'm not that at all. I'm glad we didn't have the shit we have now because then I wouldn't have been like an active child. Like if I would have had that much wrestling to watch on television, I just would have watched all of it instead of like really trying to reenact it and shit, and like really like wanting to go out and play sports. There's just too much now. So when the '80s came out, there was just enough to like appetize everybody to like kind of like start. Re- in thinking that they were becoming these super progressive people but sure. in actuality they were so still far behind because <laughs> the music you know it it holds up but it, it it doesn't it's like there are certain songs on this record that are like that like you said are just so 80s and they live there like like the one i just played like uh i'll kiss you is is if that was released today i mean it's not there's no way that gets any radio play no 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 and maybe if it's like a us a current star could probably do it and people will accept it. And they'll go, oh, it's a throwback. I don't think it overstates things to say that the Beatles were the greatest gift to entertainment and culture of our time. A secular religion, if you will, with their universal appeal and demonstrable impact on people's lives. I'm Robert Rodriguez host of Something About the Beatles. With every episode, I speak with historians, musicians, artists, and Beatle witnesses, all in the service of fresh insights into the most joyous cultural entity the world has ever known. I hope you'll join me and listen to Something About the Beatles, now at Evergreen and wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? I am Finn McKenty, host of the Punk Rock NBA podcast, part of the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. 
My podcast is all about doing what you love for a living. And every week I sit down and talk to people who have done exactly that. For example, musicians like Tommy from Between the Buried Me, Matt from Periphery, Lil Lotus and Shinigami, among many others, photographers, artists, designers, YouTubers like Glenn Fricker and Sarah Dietschy, and I unpack exactly how they got to where they are today with the goal of helping you do the same. So if that sounds cool, you can listen and subscribe at soundtalentmedia.com, and I'll see you there. You know, it's like, uh, what's his name? Bruno Mars just did that, like, in Living Color inspired. What, his... Uh, uh, with the like last... Cardi B or something. Yeah, it's like everything's like... It's like living... Very, what it's do you mean? Oh, very oh the music video. Oh, I thought you were talking about like Living Color, like, you know, cult of personality. No, it's Living Color. In Living Color uh, is a, yeah, the TV show. I mean, it was all inspired by that, but this mu- the song's also inspired by like that, you know, like that kind of well, after listening 90s to the... like dance hip. Yeah, well, I mean, the 90s are, are coming back completely. I mean, even if you look at some of the, like, just like hip hop artists of now they're wearing all these like it's so weird like how hip hop has taken this like this rock music approach now do you know what I mean like it's not it's not New Jack City hip hop anymore it's not like Nino Brown you know the big chain like you said like the Bruno Mars like the 90s shit it It bums me out my mind is still so much in like the Wu-Tang Clan baggy jeans like vibe of things no and you're right and it's going on now to like it's got it's actually got a punk rock vibe to some degree or like yeah, or yeah, rock. It's like yeah, the Migos dress like fucking Keith Richards. Yes, you know what I mean. Like yes. that's how they dress. They don't yes. dress like 100%. fucking. Uh, but dude, there's Nas. There's a, the you know guy, what I mean? They dress like Keith Richards. The guy ex- Extension or whatever the guy that just Extentasia, died. Yeah. I swear to God, is like wore your outfit. Yeah, yeah, I wear yeah, your I mean, hoodie with like fucking just like it's rock shit. Like now. chokers and shit. Yeah, and everything's it's, like, well, it's and I and I and I do appreciate that because it's like I I think that you know I, like you had said it's like I you saw seen Eminem didn't you mention that horrible. to me and it was just horrible. So then no, you, you see s- a hip hop concert now, man. It, that's an evolution that it, it's funny being able to watch in my lifetime without anybody really calling it out. It's never I don't know. I've never seen like a documentary or anything say this, but. Watching hip hop live through the '80s and even like the beginning of the '90s mm-hmm. and then going '70s when it started when it came out and everything yeah. uh, was awful. It was about like getting the people to dance. It wasn't about watching the show. It was about like controlling a party, and then it became house party. I mean, that yeah, was seriously. And then it became like big stage stuff where you're sure. drawing audience, but they get there and it's just they don't know what to do. So then you luck out when you get like a kid and play at least. We'll do like choreographed dances and shit. But when you'd go to see. Like a Wu Tang Clan or some, it was a night. I, I I almost walked out, and I love the Wu Tang Clan. Love Wu Tang. Worst it was live show horrible. ever. It was hard. No one's even singing their particular part. It seems like it's all over the place. It was bad. And I saw Eminem in concert, just off. And I haven't seen him in a long time. When he, you know, younger in his career, maybe that second album. Yeah. Big entrance was he came in on like a Ferris wheel. Yeah. But then he got off the Ferris wheel and nothing. Him and another guy just walking back and forth on stage doing something. And then um, I told you uh, last night when I was going with Kevin Hart to mm-hmm. Rockefeller Records every day to he was doing a movie with them and I was we were just driving up from Philly together every day so I would just leave a few hours early with him because I had nothing else going on yeah and plus I would be excited to go to Jay Z's work you know what I mean <laughs> and those guys would all be there and Damon Dash who ran Rockefeller Records uh, I was in his office one day talking to him and I saw that he had a bunch of VHS tapes of uh, bon Jovi, Kiss are the two that I remember, but it was several rock bands, and I was like, "That's weird. I wouldn't have taken you for like a fan of of uh, rock music like that." And he was like, "Oh, I'm a huge Kiss fan." He goes, but "The rest of it's just uh, like concert like ideas, like live show ideas." 
I was like, oh yeah, really? He's like, he's like, yeah, man. He goes, these motherfuckers out here don't know, like these rappers don't know how to go out there and put on a show. You know what I mean? And then through that came like the, you know, that was the, the that was all during the rise of like, you know, Missy Elliott who yeah. would come out in a crazy thing and do a fucking, you know, Missy, it's like a talking head show, Missy oh, yeah, Elliott. You know what I mean? And then Jay Z, even though he wasn't like about like a performance in like. Uh, Doing, you know, it's like it was all around him. Multiple leveled stages, catwalks that go out over the audience. You know what I mean? Like Pyro finally getting involved, and now these guys, like, no, I mean, when I saw fucking Kendrick Lamar at Bonnaroo, man, like it was just the hell of a. The guy just knows how to perform, like over the. Even, even, even just getting, even just like the fake getting emotional about it or whatever, yeah. and the screens are black and white. They just know how to produce and direct, like. It looks like it's like raining on the screens, the big screens when you yeah. see them, and you, so it's like it's a different visual than you're seeing on the stage. And the way he just interacts with the audience and like, you know, puts on a show, it's crazy. Is Whereas, it just him? Is it still just well, Kendrick? Kendrick? It was a huge live band. Oh, okay. But it was just him and a huge live band. But I, I mean, but he, uh, but it was unbelievable. It was such like a great concert, you know. Like, you know, what's funny is it. you saying this because it's like you're saying that Eminem by himself is just being there is so is so boring. And then to compare this to you, not to like flip flop, it's like you sit on a stool when you perform and it carries so much weight and not because you're a little chunky. It's a load bearing it's, it's a, a load bearing stool. No, but <laughs> no, I know what you're But I mean it's just I was watching you the other night and it's like literally the the you have them so immersed in whatever you're saying by doing nothing you're not moving your body at all really but you're but this the facial expression it's so it's so big but by being so small it's does that I make sense I, yeah well it's because i when patrice o'neill started sitting on a stool it made me i, I always loved that vibe of bill cosby himself that just sitting there sitting just, up, that's a chair which always felt weird to me and watching when patrice went from just organically just started sitting on a stool one day on stage Never did a special like it, which always kind of bummed me out. Uh, but he he did it on stage every night when he get on stage, and mm-hmm. I realized what that did was it made him the harsh shit he was saying seemed less imposing because he's not looming over you as a crowd, mm-hmm. being this big, you know, she's a six five, whatever, six four, and just standing over them, you know. It's like, and I same thing. I'm like a big guy, so you like if I'm going to say these like harsh, you know, aggressive things uh, or just dirty, really, you know, not not to uh, beef it up, but like you know, if I'm standing over you, like you know, have you ever done anal sex before? You know, whatever. Yeah, like, and that's something like, back if you're, if you're towards the back of the stage a little more, just kind of sitting back. It's like, it really is just like I am just fucking with you know. What I mean, there's just a more of a vibe of like I'm just fucking around, sure, being playful here. But that's like uh, you know, that's also a controlled thing or, or you know, decision I made like in that with perform. Like I thought. And we're getting off track, I know it's here. Fine. No, and, and, I'll, fine. No, and I'll show no, 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 no. you. I'll show no, no, you. No, no. Just keep going. Before we go, before we go down, I'll. I'll sh- I want to show you because I think you'll appreciate this and understand if you've never seen it. But the MTV Music Awards, I guess now it's like ten years ago. I would say I would say Little Wayne's like a newer artist, but he's old school at this point. Yeah, at this point, which is crazy. But because uh, he came up almost when I was like past my new rap phase. Yeah. But he did a performance at 2010, I think. Awards, MTV Awards. With Leona Lewis and T Pain ultimately, but it's a three part thing. And he comes out doing a, they're doing the song uh, Misunderstood. I'm just a soul whose intentions are good. Mm-hmm. Oh boy. And Leona Lewis, this British singer, is singing that part. She's hot for a second. I remember she, yeah, was, like, yeah. she was really popular. She nails the song. And in between those 
you know, she does like, oh, Lord, please don't let me be Miss And he comes out. He's walking down like a spiral staircase doing some verse of a song that I'm, I don't know very well. And he gets that all the way up to the stage. And she finishes her last note. Don't let me be misunderstood. And the lights all go out. And it starts the song, A Millie, if you know that one. Oh, yeah. And he's standing in a circle of just, like, individual lights, just beams of light going up, like, and just kind of going on and off a bunch. And it's just him in front of, as a performer, as what I think is so cool. It's a room full of other celebrities. Yeah. I mean, he does one verse of that song, which is so... It's just that bass line and that um, um, and he just the way he just does it and like rap, it's like such a performance. It's just like it's 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 crazy. It's such an amazing rock and roll thing he does. And then T Pain comes out and they do get money and mm-hmm. they run around the whole audience and like you know like, like like rapping in the faces of like you know Paris Hilton and shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Like doing all this stuff and and you see them kind of like okay, like it, it did feel dangerous though. And also at the same time he's putting on like a rock show and I always uh. The bummer of me when I when I went on Mayhem Fest after that uh, with the metal bands doing comedy, mm-hmm. I said to the guy so many times, man, John Reese, great guy, Guns N' Roses, the height of their fame, he was their manager. He's mm-hmm. in all the behind the music. Great guy. He runs all these music festivals now. And Oddball Tour he did. And I just told him a couple times, man. And he does. He also does a rap tour called the uh, Art of Rap, or Rap is, I forget what it's called, Um Rap is a weapon or something. Tour he did with Ice T and stuff, and he's like super tight with Ice T and and hip hop. He puts on a hip hop tour, but I told him several times, like I'm telling you, if you put Little Wayne on the main stage of like Mayhem Fest, mm-hmm. you don't got to make him the main guy. Make him like the third, you know, third to last or second to last. I'm telling you, people will be excited about it, uh, and and people who don't. Think they'll we'll be become fans. Some people he'll, will he'll win fans. them over. Yeah. Oh, hundred percent. Because he wants to be a rock. He came out two years well, ago trying to play album. guitar the one time. Yeah. So he's trying to skateboard for a while. He just digs like music. I feel like, and I, I appreciate it. And I always think that's funny too. How much people would be surprised where if they were like, "Man, listen, corny white boy music." It's like talk to a like rapper who's like a successful rapper. Like you'll be blown away by How their history. People? They're just their history of music. Corn said when they played. He told the lead singer told me uh, when they played the Apollo because he was like I was like what's one of your like crazy memories what do you get excited to meet and he's like when we got off the Apollo stage we were the first metal band to play the Apollo and we did a big show and uh, which is all it's on YouTube it's amazing and he said when they walked off stage Nas and Busta Rhymes were on side stage just saying like oh man we're huge fans we just went that was fucking amazing that was and he's like just their kudos on that I was like wow he's like I'm fucking Nas and Busta you know yeah because these are all like. Kids who grew up, I, I I never hated. I've always loved Kid Rock from the first time I saw him perform because I thought he was very talented, and then I start listening to him more mm-hmm. and even like the lyrics of the songs. Like this guy's telling you, he is us. And however that manifests in you, whether you become more of a rock and roll person or a country person or a hip hop or whatever it is, we all sort of have this. His whole thing was like. That song "History of Rocky" has it's just him naming bands, but it's like I like you know Beatles, Corn. Limp something, the Stones, yeah. David Allen Coe, and and you're like, yeah, that's but that's we all we all are that because like I don't know, it's like let me ask you a question. Uh, have you had any comics or any people that like you never would have thought like your comedy come up to you and compliment you and like that's just like I'm not I mean because I know there's definitely like I've done shows where I did a show here in Montreal where a French woman came up to me and was like I didn't think I was going to like you when I looked at you but then you made me laugh so good job and I was like all right. Well. 
Oh well, but as far as as far you. as uh, other comics, you mean or just somebody that you, another just another a, comic that you never would have thought like in, well in general I get a lot just because of what I you know people that kind of get what I do like I've I've got significantly older fans you know what I mean mm-hmm. and uh, young some young people who just get it and they and when they get it they always explain why they get what I do so you know they're but I don't think it's a bad thing I think they're really saying like, like I hate Bush too man I'm just not a Bush fan anymore either no but not even so my cousin's Bush just now provocativeness of it goes I love that you just like fucking twist the knife on the audience to see it and then, oh, it's and, brilliant, and then you dude. pull them back and whatever it's, it is and you and do like it with someone, such a smile dude it's so brilliant because I'm not trying to hurt anyone I just want to make everybody laugh exactly that's, that's why I get bummed out when people are like angry I'm like oh, I'm sorry I was just trying to make you laugh but uh very recently, when I went to the Jeff Ross David Tell taping for their special yeah. in in New York, I was just sitting in the lobby of the uh, Village Underground, and Ken Jong, Doctor, he's Kenya, the nicest guy, dude. But I've never met him before. I I, I know him from movies. Yeah, I've never seen him around comedy ever. I know I know he does. I'm just saying I've never passed across his path sure. ever. He was and a he, man. But I mean, like, really, he's like, man, because I'm so excited for everything that's happening for you. And but which I'm like, the things that are happening for me aren't on a level of like maybe he would even know. It's all sure. stuff below movie star that he's doing. So he was just like, seemed to know what I do and be. And it was just like when he left, I was like, really, I was like, wow, man, that's fucking cool. And then weirdly enough, the other one that got me big was uh, before I met Dice, which I did recently, and became sort of like buddies ish with you know friends yeah. with him. Was one night Eleanor Kerrigan came to get me at the comedy store. I go, somebody wants to meet you out front. Would you mind if I take you out? Like, if they're friends of mine that are big fans. And I went out and it was Dice's kids. Yeah, I know them. I know uh, Max. Yeah. I've met Max. I've, I've seen his band. They're incredible. It was Max and Dylan, yeah. It, but they were both out there and they were saying they're big fans. And, like, uh, which, by the way, you know, it's like they're younger than me. Does, their age doesn't make sense. Doesn't not make sense that they would like, if they like comedy, they would like my comedy. And they were sweet as hell. But just when I left trying to explain to Christine in the car, I was like, that's profound to me because, uh, like, their dad, when I was 12 years old, my stepfather was like, hey, don't tell your mom. Let's watch my buddy gave me this tape. Let's watch this Dice yeah. Man Cometh. Oh, and then yeah. me and him, and then me and my stepfather wore out Ford Fairlane on VHS. Oh, my, I took my grandmother Dice to, to see Ford Fairlane in the movie theater. I, still, she, I can tell you every word of that movie still. I love it. It's uh, booted across the USA. Across the USA. Hey, hey, it's hey. Unbelievable. <laughs> Jerk off. It's so bad. I didn't it's think so my good. day would get any better. Vince oh, yeah. Neal. I was just excited because Vince Neal was in it. Oh, I was yeah. so Bobby fascinated. Bobby Black. Bobby Black. Dude, I still to this day. Um, Zuzu Pedals is in almost every Judd Apatow movie. Which one was Zuzu? The girl that he was, the, the goofy chick. She's like in every Judd Apatow I know, I remember Zuzu Petals. Zuzu Petals. Screenwriter was like, yeah, you that's Benson the name. Bensonhurst piece that's of shit. It. God, yeah. Gilbert Godfrey. But we used to wear that. So to me, that was profound because I'm like, wow, like his kids, like, you know, even though he doesn't know me yet, his kids are fans of mine. That's neat. I thought that was really, really cool just to be like, I part of the reason I ever thought I wanted to do comedy or be funny was watching... Uh, old dice shit sure so to have i can uh, imagine i, I so to have his kids say that and everyone's like it's the same thing everyone that lives out there it's the same like oh yeah dice is a good guy or like oh max is great man good kid but i'm just like it wasn't that i was like wow dice's kids as much as i was like that's neat that they that they fucking like my shit i thought that was weird I thought that was a cool moment that's incredible. That's really it. Everybody else, I feel like I've never been like overly surprised by a never fan. somebody super comic. Oh uh, yeah, when I did Marin's podcast, when I did Mark uh, WTF with Marin mm. a couple years ago, I did an awful one man show here that uh, I just wanted to get up to the festival and I threw something sort of together and 
I should have just not done it. But like, sure. but I shouldn't have not done it actually because very big deal was one of the few people that came to it at Cafe Cleopatra still too. I always worked there for some reason. Uh, Mark Marin watched and he liked the stories I was telling about particularly working in this driving strippers and stuff around. Yeah. And he um, invited me to do WTF to talk about starting comedy and working in that weird world and we sat down and then after that when that came out like one of the first ones that got me excited was Andy Kindler who's ironically we're gonna go see here yeah Andy Kindler uh, wrote back he's like he's like, he's like we never met before because I'm a big fan loved you on uh, Marin's podcast and I was like that's crazy that's another one just like wow if any of these guys sure. like know you're just people you watched before you know what I mean David Spade knew my name when I was like because we met once but maybe. I mean, I, but you've been doing it enough, that, and and you've been funny for know, so long yeah. that people that people like, of well, course, have heard of it, occurred of you. And I mean, and I know that with me, I know many comics that were like you know, pro- probably more successful than me now, but st- started after me. Yeah, you know, way after me, and they get more successful, and then they pass, and we never cross paths. I'm always thinking it's interesting when I see them in a thing, they know who I am. And it makes sense, obviously. Sure, yeah, of course. But in your mind, you're like, well, I don't know where my stuff resonates to. You know, I don't know where it hits and gets well, to. What what I love about you is that you you your material is one thing, but like I said, you have this charm and you have this like this this sensitivity about you. Even as you're saying some things that might turn other people off, like there is like it's the it's I can see it in the song choices you picked. Did you wanted to do Toto's Africa, like yeah. for the goddamn comedy jam? Because that's a song, just like the way you identify with uh like like time after time, it's like that's the the most sensitive song. So there's like the most moving piece off of that is probably the one that's affecting you. So it's like you still have this underlying like charm when you're regardless of what you're doing. Don't you have your uh like time after time is one of them for me too, but don't you have like your cry songs yeah dude oh i'll and i'll tell you and, and howard stern said this says this a lot about music like he says he loves music but really what he says the music that he loves that he seeks out is music that makes him sad oh a hundred percent and i do that a lot too and I, the weirdest songs the beginning is the end is the beginning by smashing pumpkins like for some reason like the chorus just seems very desperate to is me. that the song that was uh was from a batman the, the, movie is that the that chorus is like sounds so desperate yeah, i mean there's the obvious hurt nine inch nails but uh some of the songs just fucking like just something about the lyric it doesn't even have to be like a slow song necessarily just like Something like desperation, not knowing what to do, like that kind of stuff hits me. Or just like a sad, like, love song ballad. So, like, yeah, I do. Like, uh, I do like sensitive songs is a good way to put it. Sure. I have Fade uh, to Black. I mean, like, the guitar at the end of Fade to Black by Metallica. And the song's about suicide, but I mean, like, which I don't even have, like, a crazy thing in my life about that very much, you know? But, like, just the person who has, like, anxiety and depression and whatever, you know, who fucking doesn't anymore. But I mean that the guitar, the fact that the guy can make a guitar solo, sounds just like just sounds like you're supposed to kill yourself at the end of this, dude. <laughs> like the guitar solo from November Rain has brought tears in my eyes when I saw it live. My go-to, 100% every time I will cry song, Vincent by Don McLean. 
Hi, this is Chad Nicefield. And this is Justin Press. We're the host of Making Waves, the Shiprock Podcast, a part of the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. We're inviting you to sail away with us on an epic journey in musical enlightenment. Every week, we bring you only the best artists in rock music and discuss everything from the cruise to the stage to the saga of being a professional recording artist. We'll have lots of special guests along the way, so tune in every week. Your stateroom is available every Monday morning, so welcome aboard. The one that's like, starry, starry night. Yeah, yeah. I put that on and I when I'm driving and I'm just really emotional and I just want to get it out 100%. Because when it hits that part where it's like, but no hope was left inside on that starry, starry night. I'm just fucking open, dude. Just the waterworks. Dude, I cried at the, I cried at the girls just want to have fun video. Like, just the video made sure. me cry. And it, dude, it's, fucking, uh, that's the whole point of this Ma- podcast is Marilyn, really get there. Marilyn Manson, uh, oh, great, great Big White World. <laughs> Not even a slow song. Dude, what's so funny about you, though, is that every song I've said, what's your, your, what's your emotional song? Oh, man, it's fucking Raining Blood, <laughs> Slayer, then uh, Scorpions. Oh, it's got to be the Winds of Change. No, man, it's Man on Silver like Mountain, <laughs> Rainbow. <laughs> Rock Me Like a Hurricane really brings it out of me. What about the emotional ones? No, no, man. Fuck that, dude. I'm uh No, but, but a, a good set. I mean, dude, heaven, Brian Adams. How great is that? Heaven's great, dude. Um, I'll tell you what. Everything I do, I do for you. Could suck my dick. Heaven. Every time. <laughs> well, that's the uh, baby, you're all that I want. Baby, yeah. you're all that. I- yeah, it's a good song. I wonder if he's on this list. He probably is. There's 500 fucking Oh, albums. I bet. Uh, what's the, the one where he's... Yelling into the megaphone on the cover of the album it was definitely, definitely on there. I know what you're talking about, but see, this is why I'm doing the podcast, because there's so much shit I have not listened to. Like, I never listened to a Cyndi Lauper track, all, like a full album, all the way through. Me either. So, after listening to the record, what are your thoughts on it? Does it hold up? I think it does. In fact, that f- opening track has grown on me the more I've listened to it. And it's that change, that specific change in the music. Um, all right. Thinking of, so after listening to the record now, like who do you think that this album or, or what artist did this album influence? Like where do you think this where do you think this this album fits in and where we are in music now and, and post it? I think the first time I ran through it the whole way, I think right out of the gates and that witness song really chimes in with some I think Gwen Stefani. Gwen Stefani. Well, here's the deal. It's like Gwen Stefani, yes, because as Gwen Stefani left no doubt, you saw the evolution of what she was doing. I mean, going from like, I'm just a girl to like wind it up, which is like full on like white girl hip hop. Musically, I think she went like a trajectory like that, but also just like Cindy Lauper was, it was just before it's like Madonna really did come in and like umbrella the whole thing, you know what I mean? Which kind of put Cindy Lauper into like a, a specialty thing, you know? I mean, she was popular, but like it was always gonna be Madonna and then maybe Cindy Lauper as far as like the girl, you know, because other people would come along. Paula Abdul would come along. That's what I was gonna say. I see, I see the evolution of Paula Abdul biting more off of Cindy Lauper than I do off of Madonna. Because Madonna was doing her own thing, like completely, where I can still see things. Cindy has her own sound, but looking back at it now, like I've, I, all I can hear is a very, like, it's like a formula that has been then copied through Paula Abdul. Janet Jackson took some of that shit. Taylor Dane. Taylor Dane. <laughs> <laughs> I always loved Taylor Dane, dude. It was yeah, always like, oh, who's, who's this black woman? It's Taylor. God damn. She was great. It's a white woman from Tulsa. Uh, but looking at where music is now, 
the two people I wrote down are 100% Lady Gaga. I think Lady Gaga is more influenced by by Cyndi Lauper than Madonna. I know that Madonna, like, because so for too. a long time, I used to think that Lady Gaga was a blatant ripoff of Madonna. As she's grown, I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. She's taken the same trajectory of a career as Cindy because, like, she started off with the utmost poppiest hits. Then she started writing deeper stuff. And then, as you see with, like, like Cindy Lauper, as she's gotten older, she started doing the jazz standards and going into more like, no, this is just, I just like singing and I just like performing yeah. for we know, everybody. Yeah, we know his influence, too. It's funny because I've always saw, saw Lady Gaga to be very influenced by, and then I think it became a thing. They became sure. friends almost by Marilyn Manson. I love oh, a hundred percent, yeah. Very much, and then also I'd say I'd bet Marilyn Manson I bet has a respect for Cindy Lauper and her thing. It's very, it's very similar, like attack on the bit uh, on like the uh, art of music. You know what I mean? Just the way to go at Marilyn Manson. Also, genre leaps constantly. All kinds of different <laughs> Fuck music. You, dude. dude, he's been either like it's been industrial or or like no, dude, goth the, industrial. The first thing was like punk stuff. The early spooky. Oh, I didn't stuff. listen to that shit. No, dude. Right. And then it got to the goth thing totally. And they started making like radio hits and shit uh, at one point. It's still all. I don't shit like the drugs, but the drugs like me. It's like a swanky like fucking it's goofy. It's, it's like still goofy it's, music. all of his music is still very like white girl strip club dance music. It's gonna be it's good. very. Rob Zombie makes one song over and over again, but it's great. Yeah, it's a hundred percent true. It's all Thunder. What is it? Thunder Kiss sixty five, which is a great song. So we can't monsters, shit. monsters, <laughs> monsters and tits. Round through the witches and burn through the stitches and Felica. burn. On the steeple, my Dracula. Do it again. Every song he's ever done, Rob Zombie's done, has that. Do it again. Yeah, baby. Yeah, baby. <laughs> I think Cindy Lauper influenced Rob Zombie, to be honest with you. <laughs> Fucking, uh, we got Christine in the building while we do this, guys. Christine Evans, uh, and I got to say this on the air is that guys listen to the Legion of Skanks, and if you can do anything, if you want to do anything that you can help yourselves with, fucking go to Skankfest. Go to Skankfest. This podcast was started because I wanted to experience love and good energy, and that's what Skankfest was with all of those Manson fans. Because it's all everybody there looks like they're coming from like a Manson Nine Inch Nails show, uh, and yet they're the most beautiful people. No, I'm I'm fine right now. So So, uh, I got to read what Rolling Stone magazine said about this before we go any further. Oh, the other person I was going to say for the influences, 100% Katy Perry. But Katy Perry doesn't look like she's she's doing it authentically, whereas Cindy did, and I think Lady Gaga does too. Well, I think Katy Perry was uh, Katy Perry. Really like drank the Kool Aid of it. She was a girl when she went on Howard Stern first time. Was about like I'm a girl writes my own. So Taylor Swift did it too. They're, sure, they they're the ones that they might stand the test of time. Maybe I don't know how many generations their music will live on because they both did something that was like everyone liked things to go. Wow, it's like you're just a girl with a guitar like writing your own songs. And then before you know, it's like you know shaking your head. Jewel Jewel did that. She made the leap. At that's one point. that's I, the one that hurt me the most is when Jewel did it. When Jewel, but I loved the song that where she was in the bikini. Uh, and the racing outfit and all that shit. I yeah. met her at the uh, Rob Lowe roast, and uh, I think there was a moment there. I'm not going to lie, dude. Like I really thought for one, for a good like 30-second block, where she just maybe that's just the thing she does. She gives you the attention, but it was just, it was beautiful. Uh, all right. The reviews. 
the reviews helped popularize the image of punk and new wave for America, making it an acceptable part of the pop landscape. That is what Rolling Stone magazine said. They stated that the debut album was arguably the first time explicitly punk influence elements were front and center on the pop landscape, both musically and via Lauper's Patrick Lucas styled ensembles dressing up to the droll Reagan decades in feminist chutzpah. What the fuck does that mean? I love that you. That's just a writer. Yiddish in there. Yeah, he's like, he's like the album is mishpacha, and it completely one hundred percent. The Schwarzer seem to like it. Uh, I mean, what do you think, man? Is this an album you would recommend to people? I mean, yeah, definitely. Without who you recommend to to to, who you gonna recommend it to? There's an age. Soda? Cut off on it. What do you Soder mean? Soda would... I think Soda would like it. He would like it. I don't know if I was if I was just like, check this out, like listen to this album, just enjoy it as a piece. I don't know if he would. But like, more likely to like, my daughter. Do you know what I mean? Like my daughter being 15 years no, old. No, you know I what? Think, I, I think I, she would, I think she could like that. I, I really want to end on that, is that I really, like this is, I think Cindy Lauper is somebody that you should probably put in front of uh, your daughter. Just like, just the idea of it. Girls just want to have fun, man. They do. They want to fuck, but they really want to do it uh, solo too. And they want to just, you know, empower They want to she-bop. Huh? They, sometimes they just want to she-bop. Sometimes Christine, wanna... while you're here, real quick, I do have a question for you because we brought you up earlier about your age thing being different. But Madonna, humongous deal to you. But huge deal. But my question is, did Cindy Lauper resonate with you at all? Until Not at all. Didn't even come into your thing. And that's eight years younger than us. Seven years younger it's, than well, you. Well, she doesn't remember when Michael Jackson was fully black. Nope. No, she got she got off white. Oh, her first album by him was uh was dangerous. And he was already almost full white then, right? He had a little he had a little mocha. He yeah, a little mocha. Back right around then. his eyes. Right <laughs> around his eyes. Um, would you be about to ask her a question? I was just asking her, as Cindy Lauper. That's what I'm saying. Like Madonna fucking usurped that shit so much that like a Cindy Lauper doesn't even get through to like the next generation of it. Do you know what I mean? Like it's the next, the next batch yeah. of kids like didn't really get. In the, I'm sure people did ultimately, but it, well, but she knows Madonna inside and out. Her movies, all her music, yeah. all everything, and everybody else like Cindy Lauper. She's probably just goes like, girls just want to have fun, right? Like that. And that's what's so funny is because it's like she won Best New Artist. Like I could see where it's something like this was so different. You know, this is before a lot of the Banana Rama, all that other shit. So it, it was. I mean, it was even before Madonna. Yeah, it was before Madonna. Absolutely. So happy that we got to sit down and do this, man. Thank you for having me, man. Uh, I love you, bro. Thank you for coming on, man. Um, absolutely, man. Love you too, dude. If you're lost, you can look and you will find me. Time after time. If you fall, I will catch you. I'll be waiting. Time after time. Big J Okerson, guys. On all social media, Big J Okerson. If you're looking for all things Big J, go to bigjcomedy.com. 
Listen to the Bonfire on Sirius XM Comedy Central Radio. Listen to the Legion of Skanks on Gaslamp Digital. Listen to SDR on Gaslamp Digital. Watch the Degenerates on Netflix. And if you guys are out and about in the world, and if you're a particular place in Austin, Texas, he'll be at Cap City February 14th through the 16th. I'm also going to be posting his mixtape track listing for all of you so you can get inside the musical mind of Big J Okerson. Email the podcast at 500podcast at gmail.com. Follow me at Josh Adam Myers on all social media. And for all things 500, guys, go to our website, the500podcast.com. Now, I told you guys how much I love this show. Uh, we are whipping up some really cool stuff for our Patreon people. So join the movement. The 500 Club is the shit. You guys can do it. The500podcast.com for all the details on our Patreon membership and membership, membership and ways to support the 500. Uh, we're going to be giving away shirts. I think we're coming up with a flea shirt. Uh, it's going to say Fleece Army on it or The Fleece Army or whatever the fuck. Who cares? Just sign up for the club, guys. This is my favorite thing in the world. Uh, I love to see that you guys are supporting it. We're trying to come up with a uh, a new Patreon podcast for you so you guys get more. You know, you get the podcast a day early on Record Store Tuesdays. Let's just rock and roll into the Patreon club. The 500 podcastcom backslash club. Now, we just listened to Cindy Lauper from 1983. Here is a new artist that is directly influenced by Cindy Lauper. From Los Angeles, California, we have the Interrupters with their new single, She's Kerosene. My buddy Matt Pinfield recommended them to me, and I'm digging them. I think you guys are going to dig them. And if you want to find out about this artist, go to our website, the500podcast.com, and we've got all of our artists influenced by our subject matters posted on there and if you guys are influenced by one of these albums or artists and you want your music featured on the 500 send your song to 500 podcast at gmail.com make sure you put the album and the artist that influenced you in the subject line next week is earth wind and fire week with their 1975 release that's the way of the world so y'all got some homework to do Thanks for tuning in. Peace in the chicken blood.
Ever wonder what a punch from Elton John feels like? Or how you cope with having turned down the chance to be in Nirvana? Or what signal Keith Richards gives when he wants you to get the hell out of his hotel room? Fans of Too Much Effing Perspective don't have to wonder, because they've heard these exact stories and a jillion others on our podcast. I'm Alex Hoffman, former tour manager for Radiohead. And I'm musician and comedy writer Alan Keller. On the TMEP show, we get guests like Nancy Wilson from Heart, Jeremiah Freights from the Lumineers, and Modern Family's Julie Bowen to tell us things they may have only shared with their therapist, clergy, or a TMZ stringer. So join us on Too Much Effing Perspective. That's E-F-F-I-N-G Perspective. The only podcast you crank up to 11. Well, hey, friends. My name is Zach Lupiton. You may know me from the band Dust Bowl Revival, but I also host a music discovery podcast called The Show on the Road. For the last five seasons, I've been able to dive deep and have intimate chats with folks like the Lumineers, Andy DeFranco, Wolfpack, Keb Moe, Lake Street Dive, Bela Fleck, and more. So guess what? After 150 conversations with some of my favorite songwriters from around the world, we are bringing brand new episodes to the Osiris Network. New interviews and intimate acoustic performances will be coming at you this summer. And which episodes are coming next, you ask? I am Zach Goody, the lead singer for the band Smash Mouth. Our band is called Milky Chance. We are based in Berlin. My name is David Shaw. I sing and write songs with my band, The Revivalists. Trust me, these conversations go some wild places. So subscribe to the show on the road on Osiris, and we'll see you soon. Next Chapter Podcasts.